Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. More than just your family neighborhood steakhouse. Now with award-winning PGA professional Harold Bluestein. Here's your host, Jason Swigard. And a fine good morning. We're back. Don't let those raindrops or snowflakes fool you. It's golf season, everybody. And look who's here. Harold! We are back, back in the saddle. How the hell are you? I've got you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Can you keep that rolling for a little longer, that uh, applause? Oh, you got it, baby. Yeah. I, I'd be happy to do an encore. Okay. Two acts. <laughs> What's up? Golf. Golf. Thank you very much. Thank yes. You. Yeah. Football season's well, it's essentially over. They get you got two days left this Sunday and then two Sundays from this Sunday. Is what? Foot that's that's all the football. Oh, football. That, that's all that's left. College football's done, so yeah. we are back. Yep. Taking you all the way through uh, the tour championship the uh, last weekend before Labor Day when football cranks up again. But uh lots to get to. No but, question. Uh, we're we're in a year where we have what do we have? Uh, we've got the Olympics and we've got, got the, the Ryder Cup. You've got a Ryder Cup. Um, and we've got, we think, Tiger back. That'll be a theme throughout all the year. We'll we'll look a little bit back to the President's Cup um, and some things that happened uh, in the, quote, offseason of golf. But we are going to talk to our buddy Jeff Sanders. Uh, he's down running the, uh, the American Express. They've got a new sponsor down there at La Quinta. Uh, the former Bob Hope Desert Classic, now in its 61st year, but he's got a new sponsor. You know they rolled in Stevie. They're rolling in Stevie Nicks. Yeah, they did uh, last night. Last night. Yeah, and I think awesome. they got another one. Uh, I think it's a country guy, Luke Bryan or something. I think right. tonight. So uh, he's been uh, he's been partying it up down there. Phil's now the official host with him of that. So uh, and Ricky Fowler's topped the leaderboard. So we'll get into that. Uh, and he'll be at 8:15. Then at 8:30. Uh, one of the things that happened recently, uh, golf lost a, uh, a legendary uh, architect. Uh, Pete Dye finally lost his battle with dementia over the holidays, passing at the age of 94. Uh, Bradley Klein is a, uh, a noted author, several books on golf architecture. He wrote a piece on Morning Read about the legacy of Pete Dye. And since uh, they're playing one of his courses, the stadium course at PGA West, thought it was appropriate maybe to... Uh, understand uh, the legacy that he leaves in the game as well as you know modern architecture modern golf we don't see too many new courses being built it's a lot of uh, renovation remodeling and uh, just where things are with with modern golf courses or retrofitting golf courses to be more playable or to look like they did a century ago I thought it'd be interesting to chat with him yeah, 2008 really changed things. And, and though it was, what, 12 years ago, I, we realized we had way too many golf courses for the number of players we had. So there was an attrition. Uh, and we are now realizing, and there's a couple of new courses being built. 
we're now at a fairly stable point. And uh, as far as golf participation is going, we are growing. Uh, but I don't think that's going to translate into a lot of new golf courses. So as you said, a lot of renovation, a lot of user-friendly type golf courses because we're trying to grow yeah. the game. Pete Dye wasn't. Pete Dye did not make user-friendly no. golf courses. And uh, he wasn't growing the game. He was making. <laughs> If, if we all had to play Pete Dye courses, uh, I think we'd have lost half. Well, the golf, golf. ball manufacturers loved him because uh, you were going to need a new new box after you were done playing a Pete Dye course. <laughs> yeah, it because uh, your golf ball would be scuffed up by uh, the railroad ties. The railroad ties and a lot of water uh, at many of his courses. You were rinsing a few as well. So. Yeah, I lost a couple at at the stadium course. Not uh, not a couple. I lost about six yeah. six balls. A lot of water there. I'd like them back. Well, Those you'll have to go. You'll have to go diving. <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure there's still one or two still there. So that in a scuba mask with one of those spear guns. Exactly. I, you know, that's cool. I, I don't know if they stock those those ponds with any fish or anything. I could yeah. with a spear gun. Oh, I'm sure there's a carp in there or something. Yeah. You can. Is you that can... called a harpoon gun? Yeah. yeah. Me Shoot and snorkeling are, are have never been mentioned in the same sentence. Oh, you got to do it. Oh, it's great. Uh, no, you have Out to learn how to. Sea turtles. You have to learn how to swim first. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's, you, you. How do you not you know could... how to swim? Hey, in New York. We where <laughs> where are we going to swim in the East, East River? River? Anybody who swam in the East River, we never found them again. Yeah, they were swimming with the fishies for sure. <laughs> That's right. So a lot to get to, uh, and then we'll have uh, Harold's. We'll do the tip segment at 845 because Bradley Klein's going to join us at 830, so the business of golf will flip-flop those two uh, segments for you. Uh, find out what Harold's been up to. The book is selling. Uh, we'll let him plug that later on, but uh, we, we sold a few in the holidays, so glad to glad we could do that for you. Much appreciated. And uh, But there's still uh, uh, still plenty. Yeah. There's plenty in the warehouses to... Uh, <laughs> to sell so we we'll thousands. get on that but as always we start by going inside the ropes it's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards the latest on all tours plus local golf events and golf news this is inside the ropes part of golf in the northwest really three tournaments that we are following this week even though ernie Els is making his champions debut uh with the uh, mitsubishi championship out at hawaii but they're just hanging out in hawaii having a good time so uh, but we'll start the European tour getting going with a big one, Abu Dhabi, the HSBC championship at Abu Dhabi Golf Club. Uh, a few of the top Americans getting their start over there. Brooks Kepka, who's back from injury, uh, is six under, but he's well off the pace. Lee Westwood at 14 under. Baron Wiesberger and Francesco Laporta of Italy at 13 under. Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, who's going to be a Ryder Cupper for a long time at 12 under. Sergio uh, at 11, the Spanish rat looking like uh, he's ready to go. <laughs> you know, we're, you know, we we got to talk about your opinion about pros. You can't speak poorly of them anymore. Uh, we'll get the to is Patty, Reed, is Patty Reed a cheater or yeah. not? Plus his uh, cease and desist order to Brandel Chambly. That was fun. I don't know if you saw that. He had his lawyer send a uh, cease and desist order to quit calling him a cheater on the golf channel. Right. They're going to have a Patrick Reed intervention here soon. So that'll be it. That's going to be wild all, all year long on the tour to see how that goes Brooks, over. Do you think Brooks and, uh, and Bryson took the same plane over? They probably sat side by side. I don't know. Did class? they have a, a push up off, push up off or something? 
there. No, no, because these two have uh, have been back and forth about pace of play. Brooks does not like Bryce. No, no. And the, and the PGA Tour sort of addressed that. Maybe if I could understand how what those meant, I read them 17 times and still can't figure out how that's going to speed up play. And plus, it's not going into effect until Harbortown the week after the Masters. Yeah, we need to talk about that at some time. Patient yeah, we play. might do that next week or the week after because okay. I'm still trying to make sense of their 72-point plan to speed up play. Well, let me very quickly tell you the biggest change is if you're in a group that's slow, they're not looking at the group anymore. They're, they're looking, looking at, at individual, individual players. players. Even if you are in your position. Right. If you're over, I think, 45 or 60 seconds average for your And if strokes, you take more than 120 seconds to play any one shot. Right. But then there's a warning system. They don't just assess you a penalty. You're warned, and then you're on a clock. I don't. That's where I get. Flogging. Yeah. Keep that in mind. There will be flogging. I hope there is. That'll get them to play faster. Just somebody out there with a big wooden paddle and oh, let's go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to see that? I'll volunteer. Get your yeah. uh, rules. Who's the head rules guy? Slugger. Isn't yeah. his name Slugger, Slugger with White. the big hat? Yeah. Give him a big wooden paddle and just go out there and whack him and let's go. Okay. Let's get this. And that would simplify things now, Bryce tremendously. Bryce Shampoo shot 77 over in Abu Dhabi and... So he probably took a little longer shooting 77 than he would have if he'd have yes. shot 67. Yes, there's still no uh, there's still no penalty for uh, the number of shots that you take. <laughs> yeah, we'd be in trouble. Wouldn't Other we? than the fact that you're probably not playing on the weekend. So, <laughs> uh, the LPGA Tour taking a page out of the PGA Tour uh, with their Tournament of Champions now. Uh, that's this event a couple of years old. Lake Buena Vista, Florida, the Diamond Resorts Tournament of Champions. They are playing the Four Seasons Golf and Sports Club uh, course in Orlando, Florida. And Brooke Henderson, NB Park, tied for the lead at nine under. Gabby Lopez, one back at eight under. Log Jam at seven under, including Celine Boutier. Lexi Thompson at six under. Uh, Jessica Corda, Angela Stanford, five under. So a great leaderboard. Uh, all the winners from last season, it looks like most of them are playing as well. Uh, there's a celebrity uh, event along with this because there's only 26 uh, women, the winners from last season. Uh, but a good way for them to start the turn to start the season for the uh, for the women. Yeah, and look for NB Park. She's back. I mean, doesn't hit the ball that well, but she said she's putting a lot better. Uh, she's at nine under, as you said. Uh, I'm a Brooke Henderson fan. I'm a huge Brooke Henderson fan. I love the way that she plays. She hits it long enough. She doesn't stripe it the way that the Corda sisters or Lexi Thompson does. Uh, but her short game, she got the putter going. Uh, the the relationship she has, her sister is her caddy, and they chat a lot. A lot of microphones can get in there. You can really listen if you're watching the broadcast on how they think their way around a golf course uh, and just a slow methodical, easy, repeatable swing. If you want to copy, if you're looking to copy some sort of swing, uh, that's a good place to start. Uh, absolutely. A friend of the show, uh, Marina Alex, is not playing that well. She's five over. Uh, great kid. Uh, I love watching the LPGA. I, I like watching their golf swings, as you mentioned, because they are a bit slower. It's a, a slower speed. Uh, and... To hit the ball far when you are small or not built up like a Brooks Kepka, yeah. uh, you really have to hit the ball solidly. 
and have significant club head speed based on your potential. So watching the ladies do that is really good for your golf swing. And that leaves the PGA Tour. They are back on the mainland after two weeks in Hawaii. The American Express, it's a new sponsor, but it's one of the oldest tournaments uh, on the schedule down at La Quinta. Uh, PGA West, they use three courses down there, and they'll finish up on the stadium course uh, designed by Pete Dye. Ricky Fowler and Scotty Scheffler, your leaders at 15 under par. Scotty Scheffler uh, uh, graduating from the Corn Ferry Tour last season. He is off to a hot start. Andrew Landry won back at 14 under. Uh, Watch out for Tony Finau. He had a 62 yesterday uh, playing. I think he was on the Nicholas course. Uh, he is now at 13 under. Local players, uh, former Doug Aaron Wise at 7 under, Wyndham Clark at 5 under, and Scotty Harrington at 4 under. Uh, they play three different courses, so the cut will be after Saturday. Uh, the new cut rules this year in uh, the PGA, it's now 65 in ties. They're hoping that speeds up play a little bit on the weekends, a little fewer golfers. Uh, they don't have to do a secondary cut as much, so uh, that's one of the things that they've added this year. Uh, trying to not have as many guys qualifying for the weekend. Well, and they're also doing that because they have some weather issues. So when you cut five players or actually it could be as many as 10 players out, you can get all the, yeah. the golf in before it's dark. So we'll have more on this. Jeff Sanders, our buddy uh, from Lagadere Golf and the Winco uh, Foods Portland Open. He's running this tournament down in La Quinta. We'll talk to him next as we're getting going. Golf of the Northwest is back on 1080 The Fan. Jason Swaggart, Harold Bluestein, back here with you, 816. And uh, joining us on the line, our good buddy Jeff Sanders. How was up partying with Stevie Nicks last night, buddy? Unbelievable. 22,000 people under the stars on the PGA West Riding Range. It was absolutely unbelievable. She was amazing. <laughs> I can't believe you got I'm up this the, early in the, the morning. I'm loving the background music, man. I'm loving the background music this morning. You got me going again. I was going last night, and I'm going again this morning. There you go. Jeff Sanders, Executive VP Golf Events for Air Golf. He's in charge of uh, the American Express down there at PG West, uh, PGA West this weekend, as well as uh, the Winco Foods Portland Open here at Pumpkin Ridge, uh, the regular season finale on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, it's been a while since we talked to you, and uh, just wondering, uh, how did the run go with uh, Boise? and the Safeway Open. It seems like you've you've had this lineup now for a couple of seasons with all the events that you're running, but uh, it seems like you guys have it down to a science now, especially with the new sponsor uh, for this event. Well, it was crazy. You know, we had an amazing summer last year. And then really heading over to, to Boise for the Albertsons at Boise Open. So, you know, last year was the 6th, the Winco Foods Portland Open, and last year was the 30th, uh, Albertsons, Albertsons Boise Open. So, you know, we've been running those events for a long time, but they're, they seem to be getting bigger and better every year, giving more money to local charities. And, of course, the guys are playing great. They're getting their cards. They're coming right out and winning on the PGA Tour. And we're seeing a lot. We saw a lot of them at the Safeway Open in Napa in September, you know, not too long after Boise. And uh, we're seeing them again here at the American Express this week. So it's amazing how good these guys play when they come through come through Portland at Pumpkin and then out here on the big tour. So, uh it's been a great run. You know, we've had a great couple of years. I mean, I'm real proud of the team. They're doing an amazing job. It's it's not easy to put on four tournaments in a, you know, four or five month window. And and uh, but you know, this team can do it, and and they step up every time. And like I said, I'm really proud of them. And we got we're getting some fantastic results, guys. I mean, we really are. I mean, just in terms of 
I mean, really, the charity numbers keep going up. The attendance numbers keep going up. And a lot of it has to do with our model, you know, the golf entertainment model that we that we really created in Napa at the Safeway Open, uh, which we're running this year for the fifth time. And we really put it on wheels and brought it down here to the desert with, with Stevie Nicks last night after golf and then Luke Bryan uh, tonight after golf. So, as a matter of fact, I just announced today here that we sold out all the tickets for today at the American Express. Uh, that's awesome. Well, you've got to be really proud of, of Scotty Scheffler and the way he's played coming off the, uh, the corn Ferry last year. And, and really he, he hasn't missed a cut yet this year. No, he's an amazing player. I mean, you just, you stand behind him on the range and watch him play, watch him swing at it. And you can just tell, and we can certainly tell Portland, he was going to have a big career on the PGA tour. And, you know, he's got a legitimate shot to win. You know, obviously Ricky's playing great. And he's playing the ball, you know, putting the ball well, driving the ball well. So Ricky's going to be tough. He's a California kid. He likes these desert golf courses. You know, he's only played here twice in the last many years. So it's nice to have him in the field and playing so well. But, no, Sheffield's a player, you know. And, he, you know, he very easily could win. He's not, He has no fear. Like, we've talked over and over about these guys. They come they come through Portland. They come through the Winco Foods Portland Open. And they're ready to win on the tour. And I would be a bit surprised if he didn't have a great weekend and win this tournament. I know uh, you've got Phil Mickelson now, who is the uh, the official tournament host uh, of this event, uh, playing kind of scuffling around. We'll see how he does today, trying to make the cut. But as he's uh, staring down 50 here, we see Ernie Els uh, making his debut on the Champions Tour. I saw some quotes, though. Phil's not ready to go to the Champions Tour anytime yet. Where's he at and how much more... How relevant, because we saw him drop out of the top 50 in the world rankings for the first time in I don't know how long. Uh, is he trying to hold on, or uh, can he get his game back and get back up there to be uh, competitive in the biggest events? Well, when you talk to Phil, and I've talked to him a few times this week and, and spent some time with him, he, you know, he doesn't have, he's got, he's got a little bit of confidence. He never has. I mean, that's what makes him great. I think he thinks he can still win on the tour. I, I know that his, he feels like he's generating more club head speed, and you know, which is amazing. As he gets older, he's actually adding club head speed. But you know, he's very flexible. Um, you know, he doesn't have any issues with flexibility. He doesn't have any issues with speed. Um, you know, he's his attitude is, "Hey, I'm not ready to go play on the Champions Tour. I want to win on the PGA Tour." So he's, you know, he feels like this is the year, though. You know, he's, you know, this is the year that he's got to come out. He's got to play well because, you know, he is turning fifty. And I think he's trying to block out the thought of the Champions Tour. I think he's really trying to block out the thought of, you know, going to the booth and doing any television work. I think he really wants to win on the tour. So he's got himself in great shape. He's lost a lot of weight. Uh, he's been working out hard. And we'll see what happens. As far as being the host of our tournament down here, it's amazing to have him as our host. Obviously, the, uh, you know, the history here with Bob Hope and also with Arnold Palmer. Um, having Phil as our host and his foundation, the Nicholson Foundation, is now the what they call the host organization here means that they take the financial risk on the tournament. They hire the management company to run the tournament. And when there's money made for charity, they just, they get the money and then they distribute the money of which he's committed to give a hundred percent of all charitable contributions here in the Coachella Valley. He's not taking it, you know, out of the, out of the marketplace. He's, he's going to make sure it all stays here. So that's great. And so he's fully vested a number of his partners, KPMG, Callaway, Rolex, uh, a number of his partners have leaned in as sponsors here when they when he made the commitment to be the host. So that was good. Uh, one one of his board members, 
We actually sold 15 Pro-Am spots. Those Pro-Am spots sell for 30000 a spot here. So that was that was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, one one board member leaned in that that heavily. So there's a lot of benefits. You know, now Tiger has his tournament at L.A. The Tiger Woods, you know, Tiger Woods Foundation in the same role in L.A. as Phil is here. And then Jack has Memorial, his foundation, and of course the late Mr. Palmer, his foundations at Bay Hill. So those those four guys all have their foundations and, and are all you know we're hosting or are are hosting a PJ tournament. Uh, Jeff, the golf course. Let's talk about that, or the three golf courses. This is a unique uh, format with a 54-hole cut. Uh, which of these golf courses really is the the toughest test? The stadium's the hardest golf course, and all the, the all the guys that are in the, you know, all the let's, let's call it the, the big names. They we paired them to play Lakina Country Club the first round. Lakina Country Club has the best conditioned fairways and greens probably on the tour. I mean, the guys are just, every year, the superintendent over there knocks it out of the park. So everyone looks forward to playing Lakina Country Club. Not a real hard golf course. You know, you can go low there if you, if you keep the ball in play. So, but a good, but a great place to start. Then they go to the Nicholas Tournament Course at PGA West, which is a nice golf course, typical desert golf course, lots of mount, lots of mounds, lots of force carries. Um, and then today, they all play at the stadium golf course. And, and then once the cut is made, the final rounds at the stadium golf course tomorrow. The stadium golf course is the hardest golf course. It's a beat by golf course. It's got all kinds of trouble on it. If, but you can score on that golf course again if you keep the ball in play. All these golf courses right now, all three golf courses, are in fantastic shape. I'm looking out down the fairway here right now, and it's I mean it's an unbelievably gorgeous day. There's not a breath of wind. You know, it's per- there's not a cloud in the sky. You see these palm trees everywhere and the snow-capped mountains. I mean, it's a it's a postcard down here. I mean, it's unbelievable how perfect the weather is. So for scoring today, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a real low number out there. But the stadium is the hardest golf course, Harold, for sure. Jeff Sanders, our guest, executive VP, Lagadier Golf Events, uh, down there at the American Express. Uh, and you mentioned Pete Dye. We, we lost Pete Dye uh, over the holidays, and I thought it was appropriate uh, that uh, the first, you know, tournament back on the mainland uh, on one of his signature courses he's got a few signature courses that the guys play on the tour throughout the year but from from your standpoint having played and hosted tournaments at his courses what what is his legacy what is he uh meant to the game of golf over his four or five decades as as a chief architect well he's been fantastic i mean pete you know he brought he's the original guy that brought all the railroad ties put them in play you know years ago you know tpc sawgrass and here and many of the golf courses in the desert. I mean, he is, Pete was, Pete was amazing, you know, and uh, he, he built some really, again, hard golf courses, tough greens. I mean, the greens have a lot of insulation in them, lot, you know, like I said, a lot of railroad ties and, and, and water around the greens, but he, you know, he built great golf courses. He, he had a great eye and uh, you know, he had a lot of, he, he did a lot of, like I said, a lot of work in the desert. So we honored Pete this week uh, on our flags. Um, we have a little, little saying about him and, and uh, but he's got his uh, he's got his stamp on the on PGA West and uh, you know he, he, it's a big loss because in golf he was I think he was the premier designer for a long time a lot of guys other guys have come on you know Ganson or Hanson some of these other guys but <clears throat> but he was amazing and he was I think he was the original you know took he took some risk I mean Pete he was his golf courses were very penal very hard and uh, 
but very challenging too. So a big loss for the for the game, uh, losing Pete Dye. Well, we uh, we're all looking forward to the tournament uh, here wrapping up this weekend on TV. Uh, Golf Channel and NBC have it for you. Uh, but then hopefully you get a little rest before you uh, crank things back up. Anything new and exciting uh, in the works for uh, the Winco this year? <laughs> Um, you know, we're just going to come out to Pumpkin Ridge, and we're going to put on a great show. We're going to—we we're, think we're going to add a little, a little music, uh, a little more music this year than than we had last year. And and uh, you know, we're just going to try to continue to polish that event and raise as much money as we can for charity. And you know, really, just—I just always look forward to it because I can't wait to see who the next great player is, and you know, and who's coming through. And, and like Scheffler today, you know, let's see what he does. I mean, he goes from Winco to maybe winning right, you know, right away here. So no, we're just going to go out there and put on a very similar event that we did last year. We'll have a you know have a few little tweak you know tweaks and nuances, guys, but nothing major. I don't think. Just try to make it. Excuse me. Try to make it better. You know. And yes, a little bit of rest will be would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, if you get a, if you get a chance, run up uh, behind the uh, the first tee at uh, the stadium course and say hi to Moles. Uh, Jerry Moles lives <laughs> his condos right there, and he mentioned that uh, he's pretty excited for your success. Well, thank you, Jerry. I saw Jerry last night at the concert. He and Lori, they were having a good time, and you know, I think it's fun. It's so fun to have to see Jerry, and I, you know, he's teaching golf down here, as we know, and I see him almost every day when I'm out the golf course working. And I recall the days when I was, you know, 15 years old at Columbia Edgewater, 16 years old playing golf, and playing moles, nine holes, a hundred bucks a hole. We had a game we used to play, <laughs> played a hundred. We used to play a hundred a hole. My credit, because when you, you know, as a junior golfer, I used to win at tournaments now and then and pick up a hundred or two in, in merchandise. He hated that. That was on his books. So one day he says, Sanders, come over here. You got $3,300 on the books here. I want to play you for it. I said, great. He says, my cash against your, against your credit. I said, let's go. So we about, we, we'd go nine holes in a cart, take us about an hour. And I recall Jerry saying on number eight green at Columbia one day, if you couldn't putt, you couldn't play dead. And I, was after, and I had and I had seven of his one crisp $100 bills in my pocket at that point in time that day. And I reminded him of that last night. He said, I don't think that was the case. I said, oh, yeah, it was the case. Seven in a row, big boy. Seven in a row. Oh. And you, you took the pin out and you wanted to throw it at me. And you said, in quotes, if you couldn't putt, you couldn't play dead. And I said, well... Last time I checked, Moles, that was a fairly important part of the game. You keep hitting that ball, yours right down the middle. I'll see you at the cup. There and you so go. We have we have a we have a great great time, and I love Jerry and love Lori. Those are two great people. <laughs> all right, we'll have a all great right, weekend down there at PGA okay. West. We'll all be watching, and we can't wait to uh, talk to you when you get back up here to Portland. All right, guys, thanks for having me. Good luck this year on your show. It's a great one. I appreciate you guys. Uh, supporting what we're doing and uh, good luck to you guys Thank all you right for- thanks so much jeff jeff sanders uh, executive vp logger golf down there at the american express noon uh today on golf channel 11 a.m sunday for the final round uh you can watch all the coverage there on golf channel uh mosey's the only guy that would play a junior for 100 bucks yeah, no a hole and <laughs> not think twice about it exactly uh when we come back we'll get into the business of the golf bradley klein gonna join us uh it's written several uh books on golf architecture uh and course design and wrote a nice piece in morning read about the passing of pete Dye. more on his legacy as we make the turn here it's golf of the northwest on 1080 the fan 
Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 8.32 here this morning. Jason Swigard, Harold Bluestein back with you. Thanks again to Jeff Sanders uh, for taking a few minutes this morning. They're getting ready to start the third round down there at the American Express, so he's got a busy morning. We always appreciate it when he makes uh, time for us. But now... Very pleased to be welcoming on the show for the first time uh, veteran golf journalist uh, Bradley Klein, specializing in architecture and maintenance. Uh, he's written several books, including the USGA 2001 International Book Award, Discovering Donald Ross, uh, wrote a great piece on the passing and the legacy of Pete Dye for the Morning Read recently, and is uh, kind enough to join us now on the line. Good morning, Bradley. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes for us here in Portland. Well, it's 14 degrees in Connecticut, so I don't have to get ready for golf. <laughs> well, it's uh, 38 and dousing uh, the Northwest with rain, so only the bravest are uh, out there today here locally. But uh, I, I saw your piece. Uh, we lost uh, we lost a legend in the world of uh, golf and architecture, course design, and Pete Dye over the holidays uh, at, at his passing and with uh, the PGA Tour uh, playing one of Pete's courses uh, this week at uh, the American Express. I thought it was appropriate to, uh, for those who maybe just only know him, uh, you know, watching TPC Sawgrass or the stadium course uh, and know the name that associated with it, I thought it would be good, maybe a little bit more history, his background, how revolutionary he truly was uh, when he started uh, designing courses and I, I saw your piece, and I'm so glad you were able to join us. But um, as, as you were a PGA Tour caddy once and have spent uh, a, a lifetime out there on golf courses and, and delving into their histories and design, what should we know about Pete Dye that maybe not many of us do? Well, you know, he's, his work uh, is uh, not as well known up in the Pacific Northwest because he never did any work up there. Uh, and outside of PGA West Stadium course that they're playing this weekend. Uh, his courses are not as well known out west because he didn't have as much control over them. Uh, but uh, he was a Midwesterner, and he was born in uh, 1925, I believe, uh, and uh, passed away at the age of 94 last Friday. And what he did is he basically took architecture back to the classical era. He came along and made his mark in the 1960s and 70s in an era when Robert Trent Jones and Dick Wilson and Joe Lee and uh, the Packard family and George Fazio were building golf courses with big, big bulldozers, uh, and they were moving a lot of dirt, but uh, Pete took it down to a simpler task, and he was influenced by the classic designers like Charles Blair McDonald and Seth Rayner and Donald Ross, and he was very influenced by a trip he took to Scotland in 1963. And he took all these measurements. He went to uh, he went to Prestwick, the British uh, amateur was playing at St. Andrews, and he was a good enough player, by the way. He competed in that British amateur. And um, I didn't stay, he didn't get beat, he didn't uh, do very well. He got beat in the first round by a professional roller skater. So uh, uh, that didn't hold up too well. But, uh, <laughs> sounds like my golf career. <laughs> well, it sounds like Pete, because oh, you know, he, was, he was good enough. He won the Indiana State Amateur once. His wife, Alice, died who was his partner uh, in business and in design, but actually a much better golfer. She won the Indiana State Am uh, nine times. She won two U.S. Uh, GA women's uh, amateur, a senior women's amateur title. So uh, together they could play golf. 
they understood the game and they understood design in the field. And so what they did is they kind of scratched stuff out. And, uh, as you know, he, he's kind of known for these very stark, almost lunar, uh, creations, uh, the PJ West course that we're looking at this weekend, uh, was scratched out of dead flat decomposed granite. And he created this entire oasis, which worth billions now in terms of the real estate that surrounds it, the golf course. And he was iconic in his ability to create sharp images out of very little landform. And um, he did the same thing down at Sawgrass, the PG, the um, Player Stadium course at Sawgrass, uh, where they have the tournament every uh, March now, and uh, with that famous Island Green. And that Island Green, by the way, was kind of an invention of his wife, Alice. They were digging out, looking for uh, sand. That whole golf course was lifted out of the swamp. And they were geniuses at creating drainage. And uh, they had this big pile of dirt, uh, sand, and she just said, why don't we just fill it up with water and let the golf hole play for by itself there? And that was the invention. And a lot of what they did was in the field. And here's the real revolutionary part. In an era when a lot of architects were using big dozers and they were designing on paper and handing it off to a contractor, Pete built it himself and he had a crew. And the guys he trained went on to revolutionize design. So here's, here's a, a brief list of the people who followed him uh, that he trained in the field, who were, were his apprentices. Bill Corr, who's teamed with Ben Crenshaw, Tom Doak, Jim Urbina. Uh, these are uh, really powerful. Uh, Tim Liddy, uh, Rod, Rod Whitman, who went on to, to do uh, Cabot uh, uh, Lynx course up in uh, Nova Scotia. So he had a revolutionary effect on a whole generation. John Harbottle, uh, an architect up in... Uh, the Seattle area who passed away way too early, but he trained uh, Lee Schmidt and uh, Brian Curley, who uh, did a lot of work out West and in Asia also trained under Pete. So he really revolutionized the way in which what's called design build and building in the field and innovating. Uh, and without Pete, I think we would still be stuck in that age of kind of power golf and modern aerial and uh, kind of the uh, road road builder golf holes rather than the, the, the handcrafted work that they did. So that's his legacy. And I could name 20 great courses he did, but I'll spare, you know, places like uh, Harbortown on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, where they hold the PGA Tour event, or Whistling Straits, where they've had three PGAs and they can have a Ryder Cup, uh, or Crooked Stick in Indiana. So these are just iconic examples of just fantastic work. Well, and they're, they're very sharp and beautiful. Lee Trevino once said that the only golf courses you could burn down were Pete Dye golf courses. <laughs> Where did he, uh, and that's because of all the railroad ties. Where did he come up with the concept of putting railroad ties on a golf course? He went to Prestwick in Scotland. Uh, and Prestwick was the home of the first, I think, 13 British Opens. And all those slopes would have blown away out there had they not used these sleepers, these old railway ties, to, to shore up the vertical edges. And so he came back. And he installed them uh, in uh, his first big major golf course was a, a crooked stick in Indi uh, Indianapolis. And then he used the same to some extent uh, at Harbor Town and then the golf club in Columbus. So he got them from Prestwick. He got them from Scotland. And you see them when you go to North Berwick, for example, or Dunbar uh, on, the, on the East Coast. Uh, they're, they're a standard way of stabilizing uh, vertical slopes in the face of uh, tr tremendous winds. Now, the problem is they're harder and harder to find because they're not building any railways lately, and uh, they had to be treated with creosote uh, to, to preserve. Otherwise, they would break down pretty quickly, and that's creosote's banned now. So uh, they're harder to find. And to be fair, Pete hasn't used them in 25 years. But 
you know how the golf media are. Uh, they go, uh, they go with kind of. Uh, they're not the most complex thinkers. And if a player says something in 1968, uh, or in Trevino's case, probably 76, right. uh, then that sticks with them for 40 years. So. Uh, we're chatting here with uh, Bradley Klein, uh, noted golf journalist uh, specializing in golf architecture and design. You can follow him on Twitter at Bradley S. Klein, K-L-E-I-N, and uh, find out more of his work and the books that he's written. Uh, consulted uh, on Old MacDonald, one of the uh, great courses out at Bandon. Uh, and as we look at modern golf course design or redesign, I don't know how many new courses are really being built across the country, but... Uh, are there are there certain designers or uh, that are carrying on that Pete Dye tradition and what maybe is the new modern twist or what might be the next uh, revolution in golf course design or redesign that we see here as we uh, move forth into the uh, 21st century? Well, here's the great irony. Pete Dye, by the way, he was a friend of mine. I worked with him. Uh, I built a cor- we built a course together, so to speak. I, uh, we hired him in my town of Bloomfield, Connecticut. We hired him for a dollar, and he created a municipal golf course for us. And I spent a lot of time with him there. I'd known him for 30 years, played a lot of golf. He was a great kind of down-to-earth character. He was wonderful. Everybody knew him, loved him. Uh, and I have the greatest respect for his new courses. I wouldn't trust him with a restoration for all the- or any of the money in the world. He was a disaster because he wanted to blow up the past in his own work. And so he can't, he couldn't even be trusted to, to, to restore his own courses, <laughs> much less. So it, he's kind of legendary in that regard. So he's got a lot of interesting contradictions, but he was a brilliant builder. Now, the people who trained under him are doing a lot of interesting restoration work. Uh, so, for example, uh, uh, Bill Corr and Crenshaw, uh, they did a nice restoration of Old Town Club in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's up in old Perry Maxwell. Tom Doak's done a lot of great restorations at for um, he's working now at Bel Air in Los Angeles. Uh, Gil Hands, who was not a, a, an intern with Doak, uh, I'm sorry, who was, he was an intern and an apprentice with Doak, but he hadn't worked with Pete, but he learned that same sort of down-to-earth stuff. I think he did Waverly up in Portland, and he's uh, done a lot of L.A. North, where they're going to have a U.S. Open, and he's doing Oakland Hills right now and Marion. So there's a strong tradition, I think, and Pete really in his weird way, he was both extremely progressive and modern, but also very appreciative of the old guys. So I think that he was one of the few architects in the 70s and 80s who was paying attention and studying uh, what the classic guys had done on the ground. And the, and the basic thing that they had done that Pete emulated is they, they took dirt down. Instead of piling stuff up, they, they cut and they, they, they exposed what was there. And that's the trick in restoration is to go back and look at the ground game. Uh, and again, the, the irony is that Pete was a disaster with restoration, uh, but he inspired people to, to uh, and, and the other thing is uh, he encouraged people to learn and to shape. And uh, He himself could operate a dozer or, or, or any kind of piece of equipment. And all the guys who apprenticed onto him got on a piece of equipment and could build it themselves. And that was the great skill. So, um, in that sense, it's a very powerful legacy, but you know, kind of a what's the word? A complicated, almost ambivalent one. His wife Alice was uh, contributed greatly to his career and a great supporter of his. Can you uh, share a little bit about her contribution to his uh, his success? Well, the first thing is she kept him from going bankrupt because <laughs> she could keep the books. 
he was a disaster. I don't know if he ever signed a contract in his life, but he certainly couldn't balance a checkbook. <laughs> uh, and she comes from a, a moneyed family with a lot of uh, strong sense of uh, responsibility. And so she was just in terms of operating a business and cash flow and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and the other thing is she was um, herself very skilled as a designer and a player. And she kept reminding Pete about people who were playing from the forward tees, uh, women, seniors, uh, higher handicappers. Uh, Pete kind of, in a particular, in the second half of his career, he kind of got obsessed with sort of beating the pros and making them uh, look bad. <laughs> I, I think he was kind of embarrassed what John Daly did at Crooked Stick, which was Pete's course at the PGA Championship in 1991, when Daly was driving at 30 yards past all the the hazards that Pete had put in. And so ever since then, he kind of got a little bit carried away with making courses difficult from the back tees, but they always made courses playable from the forward and middle tees. One of the things I loved, you watch the guys at PGA West uh, and that golf course where they're, you know, you've got that severe uh, Alcatraz, I think it's called the par 3 17th. You've got that steep, crazy bunker on the left side of 16, the par five. Mm-hmm. But what happens is they're, sh- they're showing you stuff, and there's always providing an outlet on the other side. Now, the tour players can play those shots, but our average player, I'm a 14 handicap. I have to play away, and there's plenty of room. And so what Pete and Alice did, and this is more I think Alice is urging, is to remind Pete, you can make it as hard as you want on one side, but give them room to play on the other side. And the combination is always there if you look for it. But Pete also understood that most golfers were idiots and <laughs> egomaniacs, and they weren't going to look for that the smart way they were going to look for the aggressive way so i think he was a genius as a psychologist as well bradley klein thanks so much uh, we're tweeting out your article uh, from morning reads and uh, there's links down there to his other work at the bottom of the article uh, a great uh, retrospective on the the passing of pete die and his legacy in the game thanks so much for uh, taking some time with us this morning uh we really appreciate it and uh, best of luck to you in the future and I look forward to playing Bandon Dunes again in another 50-mile-an-hour rainstorm. Of course. <laughs> There's no better way to be in a windstorm on the coast than a Bandon Dunes. Yep, that's right. There well, you, have there a good go. weekend. Th- thanks so much, Bradley. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll uh, hopefully catch up with him again down the line. Fascinating, fascinating uh, insight into Pete Dye and uh, just kind of how <laughs> He was just kind of a mad scientist, I get the sense, uh, from out there uh, just looking at a piece of land and, and developing things on the fly. Yeah, it's he was. He didn't call himself an artist, but he really was an artist. And he wasn't a typical designer that he'd, he'd scratch it out in the dirt and say, go build it. Uh, and they would. So we tweeted out that article again at 1080 The Fan. Thanks to Brad for joining us. We'll come back. Uh, it's time to ask the pros. Uh, Harold's actually got out in this uh, cold, wet weather here recently. The shoulder, the arm, the elbow all healed up. So we'll give you a few tips if you're going to go out there and swing it in the cold and the wet here, trying to get your game in stores. We wrap things up here. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Drive your ambition. Tips for your game from award-winning PGA instructor Harold Bluestein. It's time to ask the pro on Golf in the Northwest. Brought to you on The Fan by Laurelhurst Market. 8.50 here this morning, wrapping things up with uh, Harold on uh, our uh, first edition of Golf in the Northwest here for this season. Don't let the weather fool you. It is a uh, golf season. Thanks again to uh, Bradley Klein. That was I could have talked to him for another hour, um, and I'm anxious. I want to go find uh, find his books, um, and I need, I need something for the airplanes since uh, it's still 
travel season here for the West Coast Conference? Well, I want to go play some more Pete Dye courses. I played stadium course uh, that they're playing this weekend. I'm going to be in La Quinta in a couple of weeks uh, playing some golf and, and taking a break uh, from my busy schedule here at the station, but <laughs> which isn't busy at all. So uh, I played the stadium course once. It's very difficult, and it really – makes you wonder whether you want to keep playing golf or find another sport. That's why I'm taking a, a pickleball and, uh, and tennis racket with me just in case I, it drives well, me it crazy. It drives you that, that crazy. Well, it's, they're, they're tough golf courses. Oh, and, no question. And, uh, when That's we, really one. I, yeah. Low handicappers, guys that think you can play, go play one. Uh, he mentioned Crooked Stick. That's where John Daly won. It came was the ninth alternate living out of his car and won the PGA there back in 91. Uh, Whistling Straits is insanely long and difficult right. uh, stadium course. TPC Sawgrass. Just go play one of those and go play from the championship tees. And then guys, there's pros out there shooting 65 on those things. Then you can talk. That's the difference. If you can't control the flight of your golf ball and the direction it's going in, yeah. you're in trouble. A Pete Dye golf course, make you may have to uh, hit a draw off the tee, but you got to hit a fade into the green. Uh, he'll, he'll make it different. You can't keep hitting the draw all day long. You've got to work the ball around. And the good players can do that, obviously, where most amateurs can't. Exactly. Well, I know we only got a few more minutes here, but you were out uh, playing there at Royal Oaks, your home course, uh, out in the rain and the muck and the cold. Uh, for people that are braving the elements uh, out there, what are just what do you need to keep in mind? One, keep yourself warm, so layer up, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but take a few extra minutes to get loose, get the body warm before you go out there. What else are things to remember when you're out playing in the elements here? Well, in the I I have a whole a whole different attitude about winter golf than I do uh, summer or spring golf. Uh, my expectations are a lot lower. And the other day, I played on Thursday. The weather was half decent. It was 38 degrees, which is well below my comfort zone. But like you said, I, I layered up. I was Once I got walking, and I do walk, I do not take a cart. Uh, first of all, a lot of courses, you're not allowed off the cart path, so you're going to walk more yeah. if you take a cart. So walk. But I also only played with six golf clubs. So I grabbed my little Sunday carry bag. I threw six clubs in, a three hybrid, a five hybrid, a seven iron, a wedge, and a putter. Uh, oh, I also had a nine iron. So that's six clubs. And I went out and played. Uh, my expectations being low, um, I was able to kind of stay within my, my balance and my rhythm. Uh, I didn't try to come out of my shoes to hit the ball longer to uh, try and overcome the weather, I played within myself, which is really the way we should play year-round, but we rarely do. And the winter weather or poor weather forces us, if you're smart, forces you into playing within yourself. And I'll tell you, I hit more greens in regulation than I have in about two months. Uh, I had 15-footers for birdies. I only made one. Uh, so I played actually – a better than I had when I had all 14 clubs in there and I tried to swing out of my shoes and my expectations were, Hey, let's go shoot even par. 
uh, and I was one over for nine. Uh, it was an enjoyable day, and I felt good about what I was doing. So lower your expectations. Go out. Try to play in balance. That means if you're falling, if you can't complete your swing in balance and literally pose at the end, you're out of balance. So try to figure out what is creating that imbalance and play with six clubs. It's, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. Yeah. I gotta I gotta get out. There are if you look ahead, there are a couple of a couple of days coming up here where it's not gonna be a monsoon. Obviously, uh you're not gonna get any roll, a lot of fairways, even if the drainage is good, uh it's not dry. Right. So uh don't expect anything there. And uh, it's a good time to work work on that swing on the short game, getting your distances dialed in with with those uh, shorter clubs. Absolutely, and and that's I took one wedge with me. I took a fifty four degree wedge, and normally I have uh, three or four wedges in my bag. And with six clubs, you become a lot more creative with the shots that you're going to make. You have to learn how to change swing speeds, which is not an easy thing to do. So you if you've got a 155, 60 yards, you're going to have to swing a little bit harder, a little faster with that seven iron, or you take a five hybrid and you lay off of it. So you learn how to play with uh, more creatively, which I think makes you a better player. Well, we're back. Good to see you again. Good to see you doing well. Thanks. Appreciate we'll, it. We'll find more about what's going on uh, with the uh, Oregon chapter, the PGA, the OGA here as uh, we get into it. Uh, of course, the Portland Golf Show will be here at the end of February. That's a time when people start uh, thinking about new clubs or new equipment, those sorts of things. So a lot uh, coming up here, even though uh, playing is going to be uh, not frequent for most people here for the next couple of months. It'll be a challenge if you can get out of town and find a dry yeah. place then uh, by all means, go do it. Thanks as well. Jeff Sanders, Lagadier Golf. Thanks to Bradley Klein, uh, author there as well. As always, Will Darkens, our uh, producer here. Center and Saint up next. Uh, Ducks Hoops later this afternoon at noon. They'll take on the Washington Huskies. I'll be over on 910 tonight. Pilots basketball. They take on the San Diego Toreros. That's your lineup here uh, on the fan in 910. For Harold, I'm Jason. Hit them straight. Susie said yes. They're tightening up. It's not right. like he's just sitting around sleeping all day. The little bit of moisture, I'm guessing, that we Suck got. moisture out of the green. Oh, my gosh. It came up Peter Jacobs. Yeah, yeah you're so. breathing water. Squishy. How to make a golf course harder. One way is to add length. I do recommend you move it around. I'm a super senior. So I'm sure they had her out beating balls until the, the, the yeah. cows came home. Now, how would I adjust? Well, I've got to choke down on my club a little bit. So I'll try and overcome. Just somebody out there with a big wooden paddle. It will be flogging. Fiji's in Europe. Uh, oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. 
Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.